Hey there, welcome to Leading with Grace, the podcast for women going through separation and divorce. Here I get to share with you principles and tools that will help you to create a revelatory relationship with God so that you can navigate your own separation and divorce with greater peace, confidence, and love for yourself. you so much for being on here. Okay, so this episode has been a long time coming. <laughs> and normally, well, at least for the last few months, whenever I am just hit with inspiration, and I'm receiving this heavenly download, I can't help but grab my mic and start recording right on the spot, and just tell you what is coming to my heart, into my soul and to my spirit, except this one. And this one actually came about several days ago. I want to say actually it came out maybe last week and it was a talk by Elder Holland, who is an apostle for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he said something in this short reel that I was watching that really caught my attention and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so finally I looked up the talk and where this quote was coming from. And it was something that he was presenting in January of 2023 to a worldwide devotional of young adults. And it was something that he and actually Sister Hall and his wife were doing. They were talking to these group of, of young adults. And near the end of his talk, he said these words, I bless any among you who might be speaking these days of a faith crisis. Real faith, life-changing faith, Abrahamic faith is always in crisis. So I'm just going to pause it for a moment for you to just marinate on that. Let me just read that again. I bless any among you who might be speaking these days of a faith crisis. I want you to just pause there for a moment. Think about yourself. Think about the people that you know, your friends, your family, other members of your congregation, people that you don't even know that are going through a faith crisis. And then Elder Holland continues on, real faith, life-changing faith, Abrahamic faith is always in crisis. That is how you find out if it is faith at all. And as I was marinating and thinking about these words, the question came up, which was, is that really true? That real faith, life-changing faith, is always in crisis? Like, what does that even mean? And so whenever I'm thinking about about things like this, I like to just break it down to the basic parts. And for me, the basic parts is finding the definitions of words. And so I looked at the definition of faith, the etymology of it, of it, and it came to to trust, to confide, confidence in a person or a thing with reference to truthfulness. Okay, so that's that's one definition. Another definition I found was in Alma chapter 32, which is found in the Book of Mormon. And Alma is one of the prophets during this time. And he's talking to a group of people that are losing, losing their hope of, of, wor 
worshiping God because they felt that the only way to worship God and Jesus Christ was in a synagogue. And because of their lowly status, they were not allowed to go into these synagogues to pray and worship to God in the way they wanted to. And they didn't know what to do. So here they are, a group of men and women, approaching Alma, a prophet, and asking him, how do we, how do we worship God? How do we, how do we talk to him? How do we converse with him? How do we connect with him when we can't even go into a church? And then Alma begins to teach them that they can connect with God anywhere and everywhere. And then in the midst of teaching them this beautiful principle of connecting with God, wherever you are, he begins to teach them about faith. And this is what he says about faith. That faith is not a perfect knowledge of things, but that it is a hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And for the first time, I noticed a specific word that was embedded in this definition, which was the word hope. And as I was reading this over and over again, a thought came into my mind, which was, could the heart of faith be hope? And what does that even mean? And so again, I looked at the definition of hope. And here's the definition of hope. Anticipation for something better. Confidence in a present divine strength. Assurance in God's strength. So within the, the faith is a hope an assurance, an anticipation, a confidence in a divine strength, in godly strength. It's a strength we cannot see. It's a strength that we cannot tangibly hold into our hands, that we cannot tangibly show to someone. And though, even though we cannot see it, we believe that it is true. And so let's take that as a definition of faith, that it is a confidence, an anticipation, an assurance of a divine presence and a godly strength that we cannot see, but that we know it is true. And that we don't have to have a perfect knowledge of this strength, of this divine presence. Okay, so there's the faith side. So how about the crisis side? What is the definition of crisis? And this is what I found when I Googled <laughs> the etymology of the word crisis, that it is a point at which change must come for better or worse. It is a turning point to decide. And so here are these two definitions and they're meshed together into what we hear as a faith crisis. Now, if you are listening to this and not on um, the Google channel watching this, I am air quoting faith crisis. So how does this all work where we have an imperfect knowledge, but a belief in a power we cannot touch and see and a crisis where we are at a point, a crux, a place where we need to make a decision, where it is a turning point 
in our life to decide and what are we deciding? And so then I went back to what Elder Holland said, where he said, real faith, life-changing faith, Abrahamic faith. And so I began with Abraham. And could the Abrahamic faith really be an Abrahamic faith crisis? So about Abraham, what do we know about Abraham? We know that his father worshiped idols and that part of this worshiping of idols, he wanted to sacrifice Abraham. And Abraham, because of the grace of God, was able to be warned and that he had to leave home. And so he was basically homeless. Can you imagine what it would be like to be at this point where you are deciding to either stay home and hopefully maybe your dad might not kill you <laughs> or believe in this divine presence to leave the house, to leave everything that he grew up with because his dad just might kill him and sacrifice him. That is a faith crisis. And another time where Abraham was given this beautiful promise that his, his posterity would be as numberless as the stars, numberless as the sand. And yet he could not bear a child. That is a faith crisis because he believed in the promises of a God. He believed in a divine presence, and yet he didn't see these promises coming to pass. He was this old man, and yet he didn't see. That could have been a turning point for him. He could have decided, this isn't working. I must have been dreaming or hallucinating this promise. This can't be possible. He could have had a turning point in his life. That is a faith crisis. And yet at that point of turning, he continued to turn inward into his faith, into a power and a presence he could not see. He could only feel. And then he does have a son. And what is he asked to do with his son? He's asked to sacrifice his son. And between the point of him receiving that direction and of tying his son and raising that knife, there could have been a hundred points where he could have turned around, where he could have changed directions and decided to pack up and hide away from the Lord, run away from the Lord. And yet he didn't. That was a faith crisis. That was an Abrahamic faith crisis. And so as I was playing around with this idea, I started to see all these other men and women and youth in the scriptures, in the Bible, the Old Testament, the, Old, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, 
of these men and women of faith, of deep faith, having crisis after crisis after crisis. Think about, think about Jonah, how he ran away. He knew, he knew the truthfulness of the calling that he had, which is why he took it so seriously, which is why he was so afraid and he ran away. His faith in God, he knew that was real. And yet, he was running away. He was going through a Jonah-like faith crisis. Think about Job. Everything that he lost, his own children, his home, his health, his land, his prosperity. That is Jonah-like faith crisis because he could have turned around any time between chapter 1 and 42. I don't remember how many chapters there are in Jonah. He could have turned around hundreds of times, and yet he did not. That is a faith crisis. Or how about Moses, a mosaic faith crisis? When he's called to be a prophet, when he's called to lead the children out of Israel. And he's like, no, I can't do this. I have a stutter. I can't even speak right. <laughs> no one is going to take me seriously. Oh, and do we not? And we know that that was so true. So many times the Pharaoh's like, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to upset them free. I'm not taking you seriously. I'm not going to take your God seriously. So many times the Israelites that he led out didn't take him seriously. How many points in his in his lifetime was he going through a crisis? Probably almost every single day. Almost every single day he was going through a faith crisis. Every day he could have turned around. Every day was a turning point. Every day was a decision whether to lean into his faith, to lean into a hope, an anticipation, a confidence and assurance of a divine presence and godly strength. Every day that faith was tested and he chose every single day. Every day was a faith crisis for him. And then how about the woman at the well? How many faith crises did she have? Was she at the very, very end of her crisis? Was she almost ready to turn around? Was she at her final turning point? And is that why Jesus Christ came at that time. Because he knew that she was at her last turning point. And he gifted her, gifted her his presence and his messianic testimony and proclamation that he was truly the son of God. That, my friend, is a faith crisis. But the two most important ones for me, and don't get me wrong, all of those are important, and they have each one, as I was writing down different characters and their moments of faith crisis has like touched my heart because I've been able to, to relate to each one of them. But 
the two that I really want to emphasize is John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And I have to give a shout out to my dear cohort, friend, and sometimes the person I just dump on, Emily Wardrop from Drop the War Life Coaching as I was talking to her about this idea, because sometimes I just need to just talk an idea out for me to get the juices flowing. And I was talking to her about this and she shared with me um, something that she heard on Don't Miss This with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. And so they have an amazing podcast. Go listen to it. They are just so profoundly amazing in how they teach and just demystify and deconstruct the scriptures in a relevant way where it can just touch your heart. So go listen to them too after you listen to me. <laughs> but I'm so grateful that Emily brought into my remembrance of John the Baptist and his moments of faith crisis. Here is, here is a man who knew in the womb Christ and who he was going to be. He's also a man who knew who Jesus Christ was and baptized him. And here he is in prison. And I want to read to you his words. And now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now this is in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 2. And said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So here is John the Baptist in prison. For just stirring up the pot. Because he was really good at doing that at that time. And... He sends two of his own disciples to seek out Jesus, to ask him if he really is the Savior, if he really is the Son of God that he baptized. Is he the one that they have all been waiting for? And he wants his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Do you sense, do you sense the turning point that he is in right now. Do you sense the point at which he needs to choose? And then I love how actually Luke describes what happens next. And this one is now found in Luke 7. So I'm going to jump into Luke 7. And it is here, verse 21, that he said, that says, And in that same hour, Jesus cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave them sight. Then Jesus answering to the disciples said unto them, Go your way. And tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Isn't that so amazing? That Jesus was like, 
yeah, let's go right now. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm not going to tell you who I am. I'm just going to show you who I am. That same hour, he didn't wait the next day. He didn't wait the next week or the next month. He sends John's final turning point. That is a faith crisis. He said, John, turn to the source of his strength, to the source of all truth, which is Jesus Christ, at a time that he needed him. And Christ delivered. Isn't that just so beautiful? Isn't this faith crisis such a beautiful thing? That a faith crisis doesn't have to be like cancer where it's like, no, I cannot be in a faith crisis. It's like COVID. We don't want COVID. We're going to wear masks because we're so afraid to get it. <laughs> that's how we sometimes talk about faith crisis, that it is something that that's going to catch. It's going to be a disease. We're going to succumb to it and then we're going to die. That instead of a, a I don't know, stage one, two, three, four, five, of faith crisis. There's only a stage five faith crisis. We can't have that. And yet on the other side of the spectrum of faith crisis is a self-glorification of how we hear about, yes, I went through faith crisis and now I no longer do this, this, and this, and this. But what if faith crisis is neither a cancer nor is it a purpose and reason for self-glorification. What if a faith crisis is something even much more profoundly beautiful? What if it's even profoundly more enduring? What if a faith crisis is actually necessary? Necessary to grow. I love what Jared Halverson said on Faith Matters. That's another podcast I love to listen to. It is, oh my goodness, what number is it? It's pretty recent. Um, but then depending on when you hear this, that's not going to give you any, any information. I'm sorry. So go to Faith Matters podcast, look up Jared Halverson, and it's titled Don't Waste don't waste a good faith crisis or something like that, or don't let a good faith crisis go to waste. That's what he says. And he talks about it in such a beautifully profound way. I love it. And so I cannot do justice when it comes to Jared Halverson and how he talks about a faith crisis. But I do know that there is wisdom in a faith crisis, that what if a faith crisis is simply just a flag that tells you what you do have faith in. Or it's making you to clarify the faith that you do have, the confidence, the assurance, the anticipation of godly strength, of a divine presence in your life right now, from past and present. And that a crisis is simply just a turning point point where you get to decide where you want to go and how you want to proceed because this is what what was going on for John the Baptist 
This is what was going on for Abraham, for Job, for Moses, even for Esther. When you think about what she was asked to do. And then she asked her people to fast and pray for her. That she and her household would do the same. Why? Because she was at a turning point and she needed, she needed godly strength. She needed the faith. And then the last one that I want to talk to you about and to share with you is the faith crisis of Jesus Christ. In a previous podcast episode, I talked about how Jesus Christ was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and asking for the cup to be removed. That, my friend, was a faith crisis. Three times he said that prayer. Three times. Three turning points. Three crises of faith. And then, in the final, when he's on the cross, he says this in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus Christ cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. And I'm sorry I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry. But that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Faith crisis, my friends. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And when you go into the footnotes on that, it leads you to the Joseph Smith translation in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, that says, a loud voice saying, Father, it is finished. Thy will is done, yielded up the ghost. Can you imagine that no one could have killed Jesus Christ? That he had to willingly and willfully give up the ghost. He had to do that. He was at a turning point. He didn't have to. He could be he could still be on that cross till today. But he was at a crisis, a faith crisis, and he chose to yield up the ghost. Do you see how beautiful, beautiful and magical that faith crisis was for him and for all of us? And so what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? That before you label what you're going through as a faith crisis, I want you to, number one, be really clear about what you have hope in. What is your anticipation, confidence, and assurance is in? Is it in godly strength? Is it in a divine presence? Is your faith there? And then number two, I want you to identify what kind of faith crisis is it? Is it an Abrahamic faith crisis where you are asked to do something that is really hard and really scary and you don't know if you could do it? Is it a Jonah-like faith crisis? Are you asked to do something? Is it a calling and you want to run away and you are running away? Is it a Job-like faith crisis? Are things being taken away from you? As you're going through a separation and divorce and you feel like the time with your kids is being taken away, your resources, your money, um, assets, your home, your very livelihood has been taken away. 
is an Esther-like faith crisis where you're not sure if the faith of the people that you love is enough to hold you over to do this one hard thing. Is it a John the Baptist-like faith crisis? Where you're so tired and you're wondering if the God you have believed in is real. If that faith in and of itself is real. Or is it a messianic-like faith crisis? Is it a Jesus-like faith crisis where you don't want to do something and you're asking God to remove this cup? Where you're asking him where he is? That, my friend, is a beautiful, heart-wrenching, yet amazing faith crisis that is grounded actually in faith and an imperfect knowledge about a God that we cannot see, yet we are choosing to believe that he is there. I want to leave with you one more quote from what Elder Holland said. And he is quoting a scripture in Jeremiah. And I felt like this, this is faith crisis. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and I pray to, and pray to me, I will hear, hear I will hear you. That second part of calling upon God, of praying to him, that is a moment of turning. That is a moment of decision. That is a faith crisis. Is so when we turn to him and asking him, do you really have a plan for me? Do you really have my back? Do you really have hope in my future? Is there hope in my future? And then these words in 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 20. And I can hear, I can hear my Savior say these words to me when the many times were, he's asked me to do things, whether in my separation, with my spouse, with this business, where I'm just like, my knee-jerk reaction, you guys, is always absolutely not. <laughs> and so just coming to realize what faith crisis really is, I've been going through a hundred of them this last year, and I'm still here, you guys. And I'm willing to go through whatever next faith crisis is going to be asked of me because this is what I hear the Savior say to me. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Is it possible to go through a faith crisis after faith crisis on the road to eternal life? Is that possible? And I'm going to choose to believe that the answer is yes. 
that that is the only way and that what president or what elder holland said is that a faith crisis real faith life-changing faith abrahamic faith is always in crisis that is how you find out if it is faith at all i promise you that more faith will mean less crisis until finally god says well done thou good and faithful servant and i want to just add my testimony to elder nils to elder hollands that god is there for you and for me that he is going to ask us to do hard things he's ask he's going to ask us to meld our faith with crisis with a turning point to make a decision of what we will choose to do and that will we choose to press forward feasting upon the words of Christ when it is hard when we cannot see with our own eyes the end of the road when our when our knowledge is imperfect in the plan that God has for us i have to believe in that i choose to believe in that and i hope that if this is where you are at at a turning point at a decision point please reach out to me because i've been there and i choose to be there because it reminds me that what i have is true faith thank you so much for coming if you want to learn more about how to confidently navigate your separation and divorce subscribe to this podcast and get on my email list at heonorthcoaching.com. That's H-Y-O-N-O-R-T-H coaching.com. All links will be found in the show notes. Until next time, take care.